All right, well, good morning again. Um, my name is Derek. I'm one of the pastors here. I see a lot of new faces this morning. I just want to say, if you're a visitor with us, uh, we're glad you're here worshiping with us, visiting us this morning. Well, this week has been kind of an exceptional week for me. I think I posted this on our Roots Facebook forum page. This past Friday, not two days ago, but last week, Friday, I had to go to the ER because there was a swelling on my neck right here underneath my right jaw. And on Wednesday, uh, my wife pointed it out. She's like, that looks a little big. I was like, no, it doesn't. Stop talking. <laughs> I was in denial, right? Thursday, I go to work. It's kind of bothering me. I'm like, okay, I think it's a little big. Friday, it's like tripled in size. And I go see a doctor in downtown St. Paul. He's like, you need to go to the ER right now because uh, that could potentially erupt. And if that infection gets in your bloodstream, it could kill you. So I went to the ER, got a bunch of blood tests done, MRIs. Um, they confirmed it was an infection. Uh, I stayed overnight on antibiotics. Here was the hardest part. that We were supposed to fly out to Mexico that next morning for our 10-year anniversary. Uh, so that was really hard. We obviously had to cancel that. We didn't have a choice. Um, but, you know, I'm glad to be here. Uh, praise God for his, his mercies. And uh, Pastor TC came out and visited us at the hospital. And um, you all have been praying for us. So we just really appreciate uh, your prayers. And we just really felt the love from the body of Christ this past week. So just want to express thanks for that as well. Boom. What, what do we got here? Oh. <laughs> I missed that, but I'll catch it on the Facebook Live. <laughs> we've been in this uh, sermon series then uh, called Time to Be Human. And we've been saying uh, Time to Be Human, it's where God invites us to Sabbath, to rest. Sabbath is the ancient rhythm of life practiced by Jewish people and followers of Jesus. It's not just a day off, but it's a day of reconnection and centering uh, and surrendering to the care of God and even resistance to the many ways that the world burdens us. In Hebrew, Shabbat is just a verb that means to rest or to cease from work. It can also be a noun that means the day that stops, which implies uh, ceasing from work and and, and, and stopping from doing regular activities like running your errands and checking your emails and things like that. So for Sabbath observing Jews, Shabbat would start on uh, Friday around sunset and it would go for the next 24 hours until Saturday at sunset. Um, and it was this, uh, this time of uh, uh, feasting with your family and uh, reading uh, Tanakh or Jewish uh, Hebrew Bible. Um, it was a time of worshiping and just being uh, together and, and resting and, and ceasing from work. And Israel had been instructed to observe Shabbat uh, from the Ten Commandments. So we're just going to lay the groundwork for what Shabbat is uh, from the Ten Commandments here in Exodus 20, verses 9 through 11, where it reads, uh, this is, uh, yeah, Exodus 20, it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the Sabbath, uh, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. For in six days 
The Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So Israel was to rest because God rests on the seventh day of the creation account uh, from Genesis 2, 1 through 3. This, we've kind of been highlighting, the, highlighting this throughout the sermon series. So this is just kind of some uh, a refresher for where we've been. Genesis 2, 1 through 3, God rests on the seventh day, which then gives ground for uh, Exodus 20, where the Ten Commandments instruct Israel to rest on the seventh day. And from there, that's where we get a Jewish Shabbat. Every Friday, you rest, you cease from work. Shabbat is the, the day that stops. So now I laid this groundwork because as Christians, as we continue exploring what Sabbath looks like for followers of Jesus, we want to keep in mind that uh, our understanding of Sabbath uh, comes out of this Jewish understanding of, of Shabbat. So we want to be careful not to erode on the Jewish definition of Shabbat, but we want to build off of that definition from the most basic definition, uh, where Shabbat just means ceasing from work or the day that stops. So this morning I'll be preaching, uh, I'll be taking a little bit of liberty here, I'll be preaching from a text in the New Testament that doesn't speak directly about Sabbath observance. Now there are those texts where Jesus is talking and teaching about Sabbath observance in the first century Jewish context, uh, but instead our text today is going to focus more on identifying when is the time to cease from work and to intentionally be present with God. Because for most Christians uh, here in this room, I'm guessing most of us did not grow up observing any formal weekly Sabbath, and that's okay. Uh, and so then, for us, what it means to adopt Sabbath then is to discern when is that time to cease from work, to be present with God. And so our text this morning comes from uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. It's going to be up there on the screens if you have your, your Bible or a Bible app. I want to invite you to feel free to pull that out. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. And it reads like this. While Jesus and his disciples were traveling... Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his message. By contrast, Martha was preoccupied with getting everything ready for their meal. So Martha came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to prepare the table all by myself? Tell her to help me. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part. It won't be taken away from her. Let's pray for the illumination of the Holy Spirit as we dive into our teaching this morning.
Father God, we invite you into uh, this, this space, Lord. We invite your presence, your spirit to be with your people as we dig into your word, as we seek who you are, God, in this written text. Would you reveal yourself to us through your power, the power of your Holy Spirit? Would you be speaking to each of our hearts, shaping our community as we seek you this morning? We trust and anticipate that you will meet us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So this is a text that's probably familiar to, to a lot of us, this Martha and Mary text. But today we're going to be looking at the broader uh, surrounding context to get some fresh insight into what's happening here. For whatever reason, myself included, a lot of us grew up reading the Bible, just kind of a couple of snippets of verses at a time, and then we close our Bibles, and then maybe like four days later we come back and we pick up where we were left off, and then we read another paragraph, and so on and so on. Right, imagine um, if you were like, turn on your Netflix show and started watching five minutes of Stranger Things, and then turned it off, and then three days later came back and watched another 15 minutes and turned it off. You get the idea. You would start to lose track of what's happening in the episode. Because stories, uh, books in the Bible, they're kind of like a whole story. They have a beginning, a middle, and an end, very much like a, a show or a movie. And so what has happened, what's been happening at the, the beginning and the middle will shape how we understand what's currently happening in this current scene. So in this scene, Jesus and his disciples are traveling, and they come to a certain village where a woman named Martha invites them into her home. How many of us, how many of you like hosting guests in your home and just have kind of house gatherings? Yeah. My family, we love having people over. Um, we love to, I personally enjoy cooking and hosting. Uh, and in the Hmong culture, that's kind of a big deal, hospitality. Um, but more than just the cultural reasons, I just genuinely like our house filled with people that we love and, and just having a good time, right? Who doesn't like that? But it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. So I can totally relate to Martha here in her anxiety and her distractions. I'm someone who likes to have um, all the food. My wife can, can uh, attest to this. I like to have the food ready on the table, ready to go within minutes of people arriving. Uh, and that's uh, sometimes it doesn't always happen that way, right? So I can begin to feel that sense of urgency running around the kitchen, just like Martha here. Uh, so, so Martha, I get it. I need help in the kitchen. Alice needs help when we're having people over. Neither one of us can, can do it by ourselves. But since this was Martha's house, since she was the one who invited Jesus into her home, it sort of makes sense that the burdens who prepare the meal kind of fell on Martha a little bit more than her sister Mary. So it's not overly surprising that we find Martha in this panic mode, where Martha is assuming the heavy load and preparing the meal for Jesus and his disciples. This is a whole feast. There's probably like 20 men in her living room. But we have to wonder, why is Jesus and his disciples there in, their, in her living room in the first place? What's going on here? What was the main purpose for their visit? Again, by looking back to the surrounding context, we see that Jesus and his disciples had a very specific purpose for this visit. Luke, the gospel, uh, the author of this gospel, does a fantastic job of giving us these kind of headliners within the text of his gospel. 
So in each of the, uh, the three chapters before, in chapters 8, 9, and 10, the beginning sentence tells us that Jesus and his disciples had been traveling from village to village and preaching the good news of God's kingdom. Let's take a, a closer look here. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. Soon afterward, Jesus traveled throughout the cities and villages, preaching and proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom. The twelve were with him, along with some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Fast forward to Luke chapter 9, verse 1. Jesus called the twelve together. He sent them out to proclaim God's kingdom and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey. So they're on a journey here. Whatever house you enter, remain there until you leave that place. So Jesus and his disciples are relying on the hospitality of strangers on this journey. Luke chapter 10, verse 1, the start of our current, the main passage. After these things, the Lord commissioned 72 others and sent them on ahead in pairs to every city and place he was about to go. And then one more time, in the middle of Luke 10, verse 8, Jesus tells his disciples, whenever you enter a city and its people welcome you, eat what they said before you. Heal the sick who are there and say to them, God's kingdom has come upon you. So after reading this surrounding context of what's been happening in the scene, let's now go back and reread the start of our main passage, just that first line of the Martha and Mary scene. That line reads like this. While Jesus and his disciples were traveling, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. So can you guys begin to see what's going on here in the Martha and Mary scene? You see where Jesus and his team and his posse have been. They've been traveling from village to village, staying at strangers' homes, relying on their hospitality. And their main mission was to preach and to spread the message, the good news, that God's kingdom had come near. Well, of course, Jesus and his posse and the disciples, they knew what their main mission was. But what did Martha believe to be the main reason why Jesus was there? Was it the, just the food and just the company? Isn't that why Martha was spending all her energy and her time in the kitchen preparing? It says Martha was preoccupied, or uh, some other English translations say distracted, by the preparations for the meal. We might speculate that Martha's understanding of the main reason why Jesus was there was just so that she could serve him food. She saw this moment primarily as a time for her to give to Jesus rather than to receive something from Jesus. So Martha's preoccupied doing these things that reflect her understanding of why Jesus is there on this visit at her house. These distractions pull Martha away from seeing the main thing that's right in front of her. Now, a little bit of contrast here, where Martha wants to do and to talk and she makes a request to Jesus and she wants to give and serve Jesus, which are all good things. On the other hand, Mary wants to cease 
doing. Mary wants to listen, and Mary wants to receive from Jesus. So Christian Sabbath is discerning when to cease from work and when to choose God's presence, which offers us rest. In this passage, it's, it's interesting that Martha is actually the one who verbally addresses Jesus as Lord. Martha, the distracted one, addresses Jesus as Lord verbally. She calls to him, Lord, tell my sister to help me. Even though she calls him Lord, she doesn't prioritize his presence as Lord. Lord just means master. Even though she calls him Lord, she doesn't prioritize his message as Lord. Instead, she's pulled away by other lords to prepare the meal. In his commentary on this passage, uh, one of my professors, Dr. Joel Green, writes, Though she refers to Jesus as Lord, she is concerned to engage his assistance in her plans, not to learn from him his plan. In contrast, Mary doesn't say a single word. In this passage, she, Mary, the one sitting at the feet of Jesus, doesn't verbally address Jesus as Lord, doesn't call him master. Instead, it's by Mary's actions and by Mary's posture that she acknowledges Jesus as Lord. Imagine for a moment that you are Mary and Jesus is a guest in your house and his disciples fill your living area. They look tired, they look hungry from traveling, but not too tired for Jesus to be sitting on your couch talking and teaching. What is he saying? Are you curious to hear? What grabs your attention in that space? Is it the, the greasy and tired looks of the disciples' faces? Are you concerned about do they have anything to eat or to drink in that moment? Is it your own bodily needs and hunger and thirst that you notice? Or do you, for just a moment, do you allow yourself to hear what this Jewish rabbi, whom you've never met before, speak a message of good news with such profound implications for life as you know it. Your heart and your mind are captivated by his words and teaching. Slowly but confidently, you inch your way towards this rabbi who sits in your crowded and hot living room. You, a woman, even passing by some of his closest male disciples. You walk past the inner three, Peter, James, and John. Eventually you find yourself settling near where his feet rest on your living room floor. You say nothing. You ask nothing. You seek nothing in this moment because you realize whose feet have entered your house. You sit there and you listen and you receive from the Lord. And this is precisely what Mary does. But friends, let's not get confused here. Um, Mary's silent listening 
in her sitting at the feet of Jesus is anything but the stereotypical silent female submission. It's anything but that. Here's what I mean. Sitting at the feet of Jesus or another rabbi and listening to him teach was something only Jewish male students could do in that time. Mary breaks outside of that social norm here. Where helping her sister to prepare the meal would have actually been much more in line with the social norms of her time, uh, Mary quietly moves to the feet of Jesus, a place reserved for male disciples. And this is a very loud proclamation that the kingdom of God has come in this person, Jesus. Again, Dr. Green writes, for the Gospel of Luke, to listen to the word is to have joined the road of discipleship. In spite of the reality that in this period, Jewish women were normally cast in the role of domestic performance in order to support the instruction of men rather than as persons who were themselves engaged in study. Mary breaks out of social norm here. She is challenging the status quo. She chooses the better part. She chooses to be present at the feet of Jesus in that living area, to listen and to receive from her Lord. This is what Christian Sabbath is about. So friends, uh, it's possible. It's possible to, to tell ourselves that um, we Sabbath every Sunday uh, because we, we attend a worship service. Um, but while we sit here, I mean, if I'm honest, I've got things going on in the back of my mind about what I need to take care of, you know, as soon as we get home. So distractions are filling my thoughts uh, even while uh, Jesus is trying to get my attention and trying to draw me in to himself. All of us at different times have been like Martha and have been like Mary. None of us are only ever like Martha and none of us are only ever like Mary. So let me free us from any sense of, uh, of guilt here, right? Uh, in fact, uh, in John eleven fifteen, I found this really cool. Where There's this small scripture. This is actually where Jesus raises Lazarus, because Lazarus is their brother, Martha and Mary's brother. It just says in John eleven fifteen, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loves Martha, regardless of this scene here in Luke 10. Jesus loves Martha. Sabbath isn't for Jesus to love you anymore. Sabbath is for you to love God more. Now, having said this, of course, um, each of us, we do have uh, orientations. We do have natural wiring. Some of us are, are, are prone to, to worry about what needs to be done. Some of us are uh, not worried enough, which is not a good thing. Um, and so, you know, we live in a, in a very, very fast-paced society. Um, we have to make choices on when is the time to cease from work and uh, when is the time to get things done. All right, some of you have big transitions in your life you're going through right now. New jobs, some of you uh, are, are starting new schools, maybe starting a new program. Maybe some of you have just relocated with, to the... Twin Cities within the past year, and there's just a lot on your mind and on your to-do list, right? Some of you are 
um, tired because of, uh, rightfully tired and weighed down by the political climate in our country right now and uh, the dangerous rhetoric that's it's been really toxic and really harmful to our communities here. Uh, and so that's weighing on you and your bodies are feeling that and we need rest, right? Some of us have all sorts of things that pull us away from the feet of Jesus. And I'm not saying to neglect any of that. Those things will always be there. We have to tend to our duties. What I am saying is how can we discern when the time to cease from doing those things and, and when is the time to go ahead and tackle those things. So, But Sabbath and rest should be a practice that is more freeing rather than creating more burdens and duties on us. If in your heart and your mind you're thinking, oh, I've got a I've got a Sabbath. Like that's probably not the, there's probably a, a, a distortion in how you're understanding the purpose of Sabbath. Okay, Sabbath should be more freeing for you. When we get into the rhythm of Sabbath, uh, I hope that we discover this is actually lightening things up more. I become more productive. I become more efficient. And, then I, and I can do all the things I need to get done throughout the six days of the week. And on the one day I can rest and be present God. So as we learn new ways to Sabbath, um, may we welcome Jesus into our homes. As we take our day off, let's invite Jesus into our homes. While Jesus is there, may we cease from work. May we forget the distractions. May we identify the better thing, the main thing, why God is there in our living room. God's presence with us that offers us rest. Again, for Jesus followers, there's, there's a lot of different ways we can practice Sabbath. Um, you could just do a, a Friday evening sunset Sabbath in your own way. It may not involve the Jewish liturgical scriptures and, and ceremonies. That's totally fine. But with just the natural sunset on a Friday evening, that's a really powerful reminder that, hey, this is a good time to close the week out and enter a time of rest. And then the following Saturday when the sun sets again, then you can kind of come out of your, your time of rest. And that's something that I personally try and do um, when I'm not serving in any capacity here. Then I get a free Saturday to just enter that time of rest. And there's all sorts of different ways that, that we can uh, find things to do that enrich that time of rest. Um, for some of you, it's connecting with people, it's um, eating the foods that you love, it's playing board games and playing music and doing a lot of social things. Uh, for others, it might just be uh, spending some time journaling and praying and reading scripture, or it could be some combination of all of that. But the main thing is that you find yourself drawn to the presence of Jesus during this time of Sabbath and that distractions are not your Lord in that moment. Because then you're gonna err on the side of Martha and who misses the main thing. So don't miss the main thing. Uh, so, and again, because we are Jesus followers, we're not uh, Sabbath observing Jews. I hope that's obvious. Uh, we can Sabbath any anytime, right? I said Friday, you can do this on Monday, you can do this any day. I'm getting really practical here, right? I think some of us um, 
probably don't think about these questions too much, right? Like, what's the relationship between Christian Sabbath and, and Jewish Shabbat? And are there rules and regulations? For Christians, there aren't. So you can, you can Sabbath any day of the week, any portion of the day that works for your schedule. Um, and so, like Mary, there was a lot that could have pulled her away. There's a lot that, that pulls our attention away. But she chose the better thing to be present at the feet of Jesus, listening and receiving from Jesus. And so likewise, um, my hope and my prayer is that we and that you and I would also choose the better thing, that we would recognize the main thing, that we would identify who is in our living room when we enter a place of rest in our lives. So would you join me as we close the prayer? Father God, Lord, thank you that Sabbath is a time where you desire to draw near to us. God, that you have given us Sabbath as a gift and not as um, a burden. Lord, you know our hearts. You know what happened in our lives this week. And God, you know that we need to focus on you. Lord, you know that we need to just turn to the feet of Jesus, our source of life, our source of being centered, our source of strength. God, we know that when we neglect you, we, um, we have to try harder and, and we struggle even more. But Lord, when we turn to you and we acknowledge you as Lord, Lord, you're the one who replenishes us. So God, thank you for the gift of Sabbath. I pray that as we continue this exploring what Sabbath is, Lord, would you give us creativity and just innovation in how we can implement Sabbath in our context and in, in our rhythms, Lord. So thank you for your word that speaks to us today. Thank you for your presence with us. We pray you would go before us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. God's people said. Amen.